You're listening to the BJJ Strength Podcast. Helping you be your best physically, on the mats and off the mats. The BJJ Strength Podcast. With your host, BJJ Black Belt and Physical Optimization Specialist, Lawrence Griffiths. Hello, you lovely, lovely people. Uh, welcome to episode five of the BJJ Strength podcast. Today, I'm very excited to have with me my very first guest, Mr. Jack Edwards. Um, Jack is a good a good friend of mine and and good training partner from back, uh, from my time in back in London. Um, I'm I'm here in sunny Southern California. He's um, in trendy East London over in the UK on a Friday night. Um, I'm, I'm very pleased that he's decided to take up his Friday night to sit and speak to me rather than go out and, uh, and get drunk and uh, cause mayhem, cause mayhem in, uh, in London town. But Jack, um, say hello, buddy. Hello, buddy. How you doing? I'm very good. I'm very good. Uh, it's good to, good to speak to you. And, um, for those of you, well, I say for those of you that don't know, none of you are going to know because our previous podcast wasn't. Um, it's uh, still on iTunes, though. It's still on iTunes. <laughs> I mistake every year. <laughs> yeah, rolling health yeah. and random thoughts. Um, yeah, myself yeah. and Jack actually, uh, you know, did did our first podcast together back in London. And I thought it would. It's only right to to have him as my first guest. But but other than that, right? Um, it's not because Jack is. A good friend and a, and a good guy. Jack is also, uh, you know, a, a fantastic. I want to use the word personal trainer, but I think personal trainer for the work that he does is a very limited term. Um, he's also a jujitsu purple belt, um, and you know, really, really deep into into health and fitness. So I think, Jack, why don't you just why don't you tell people what you what you call yourself? That might be better. Uh, well, I'm straight up still excited to be called a purple belt because it's about a week old, so. Uh, I just I just call myself a purple belt now, just until it gets old. Nah. Yeah. Um, I you know I am a personal trainer. Um, and that is what I've been for the last kind of five years. Uh, I'm currently like halfway through, or just over halfway through, studying to be a, a sports massage therapist as well. Um, which is it's the number one course in the UK for it. Um. I think it's I, th- I think it's a, a BTEC level, so it's like a whole year, and it's kind of internationally recognised, and it's actually a lot more work than I thought. But that is kind of that's the the next stage I think that's going to help me with my kind of personal training and stuff like that. Um, like in any job, you want to kind of further your knowledge, right, and kind of climb the ladder. It's just when you're self-employed, you have to kind of create that ladder and then climb it yourself. So. Um, yeah, I think what you're getting at is the kind of wh- how I train people. And it's not like a mystical, magical, Edo Portal movement man or something like that. It's just. Not yet. Not yet. No, nah, nah, I just, yeah, I, I quite like uh, just helping people kind of get to where they want to go. Um, if it's getting stronger or getting leaner or just moving better or dealing with an injury or. In my case, uh, I work with kind of models, actors, and some pop pop singers to kind of just have the look, but retain 
their health rather than a kind of old just eat less mm -hmm. um, or starve yourself. It's more about the kind of educational side um, to kind of getting maybe the look that they want, but mainly being healthy while they do it. That's the that's the main thing. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of interesting things that I want to kind of dig into today in terms of your approach, and I think what we'll, we'll we'll you know we'll definitely get to that. Um, and what's really interesting is how I think you've moved away and took big steps away from what would be the tra more traditional style of personal training that people would kind of be used to. I would yeah. definitely want to get into that, but I think what's really interesting as well is um your story of how you got to kind of where you are today um as as as, as much as that you as, as you want to share because i know like you know when you were younger you did a lot of skateboarding and stuff but, mm -hmm. but when when we when when we met um you weren't um in the finest physical shape <laughs> put the body politely so you've had to work really hard to get where you are and i think that i think that people people like to know that particularly for people that do jujitsu right mm. they um you know can often come into it in their mid 30s late 30s have led a fairly inactive lifestyle for many many years and you're a perfect mm. example of someone who's you know kind of you know being able to do that um so i think people can can learn a lot from that so do you want to do you want to talk a little bit about you know why you know how how you got to the point where you got into kind of personal training and your kind of health health and fitness journey uh, yeah, sure. I mean, f firstly, I was kind of struggling after university to find out like who I was, what I wanted to be. Uh, I'd had a couple of office jobs and I just couldn't do it. Like I, I, I find it very difficult to sit still, um, not like an attention deficit thing, but just more of like, a, uh, like I'm not going to sit here and talk about parking tickets or, you know, work for local government. And I, I think a lot of my family do that and it's fantastic and everyone needs that. But I just didn't have that attention span. Um, I thought about, like, I, when I came out of university as well, like you said, I had just hadn't been a very active person. Uh, there's a photo, well. I remember there's, you digged out a photo, right? And I think when we first met, we worked in a bar together. And I yeah. think we should, we, should try and, we should try to share that photo with people at some point. Think, but anyway, think, or maybe not. I think, no, I think that needs to never be seen by anyone. I look really ill. I look like puffy, uh, kind of constantly sweaty, out of breath. Because I just, yeah, I just partied pretty hard throughout the university years. But when I got out of that, I kind of got into... I wanted to get back into kind of a martial art that I did when I was really young. And so I found something like Wing Chun. What's, and what's, realized, what's Wing Chun? Wing Chun. <laughs> uh, Bruce Lee did it, mate. Yeah. Um, and it was fun, but it, it was fun, but it was like very quickly I saw that like uh, my fitness was down. So I started going to the gym to try and help with that. Um, and then I got like really pretty soon after that, before I could even kind of pick up any steam, I got really sick. Uh, and it was really scary time. I didn't know what was wrong. Uh, I dropped a bunch of weight. When was this? How, um, long, how long ago was this? I was 27. Yeah, I was 27. So 2012, okay. something like that. Um, right at the end of 2012. And like, I mean, really, really sick. And then suddenly rushed to the emergency room, um, put on a bunch of drips, hospital for a couple of weeks. And turns out that I had like a huge flare up of something called ulcerative colitis, 
which I've got forever now. Um, and it was it was lame. Like you know, there's no, I don't really want to go much into that. But for for people that don't know what I'll, I'll, I'll I can't even pronounce it. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like uh, it's like Crohn's disease, but like half of Crohn's disease that only affects your bowel. So it's an inflammatory bowel disease mm-hmm. where you get kind of uh, polyps and ulcers on the inside of your bowel. Um, and when that flares up, it's incredible. I nearly had something, it sounds really cool. It doesn't feel really cool, but I nearly had something called mega colon, which sounds like a death metal band. <laughs> but basically my colon and bowel were about to explode inside me, which is really bad. Um, and they nearly just took it all out and I would have had like a bag for the rest of my life, uh, which I would have, you know, I would have figured out how to live because lots of people do, but they came in to tell me that they were going to do that. And then the next day they decided not to. So it was pretty like mental time. So this is just um, about when you'd you decided that you're gonna kind of needed to start to get healthy and to get in shape, suddenly you were hit with this. Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't like obese or anything. I was kind of similar weight to what that I am now, but none of it was muscle and all of it was beer. So <laughs> uh, but I had, you know, I had quite an active up, like upbringing, like like you said, skating, surfing, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that's when I decided that I was just like, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to go into it. Like, I'm just going to go full in, do my PT course, start learning. And I think that was a really long way of kind of getting into then what you asked about how I train the way I train. Because I personally don't think it's that uh, out there because a lot of the trainers I kind of work around train very similarly. Mm-hmm. Um and actually quite a lot of them are jiu-jitsu guys as well uh, that just so happen to be jiu-jitsu guys so maybe it's like a just like a kind of a way of thinking but because I wasn't a big gym guy and also physically not a big guy when I went into my first proper gym job which was at a um, big kind of globo gym you know um, I didn't look like a lot of the other trainers so I couldn't see myself doing business like a lot of them. I wasn't going to attract the same people in the same way because I wasn't big. I didn't just, you know, you couldn't just look at me and think, oh, I want to be like that guy. I had to have something different. And so I started to kind of, and th- at this time you had uh, taken me along to a couple of jujitsu classes and the way that people moved in that and, and what was beneficial in that. I really got into the kind of crawling stuff. And I think you kind of, you know, you were going into the crawling stuff too. Mm-hmm. And then someone showed me Edu Portal before he was cool. Um, and I kind of just started watching him thinking, geez, like how does someone move like this? And um, yeah, so I got, I got really into that that way. And that actually, I got a couple of clients really early on and I had them crawling up and down this kind of real generic gym's floor. And I've got loads of people staring at me and I never, and I still don't really wear trainers or shoes when I train or walk around the gym anyway. And um, then my clients started not to. And then the manager told me that I had to wear shoes. And, like, and then six months later, they had, a, they had a class that was crawling and animal movement and you would take your shoes off to do it. And you're just like, oh, because it's now a thing. A fad, a fad and a thing it's cool and they made a class out of it and I had people doing Tabata when I saw this kind of science show bringing Tabatas uh, a show called Horizons in the UK which is amazing it does lots of medical stuff mm-hmm. 
And I had, I had some people doing Tabata and then, you know, three months later, lo and behold, they had a Tabata class. I'm not saying they were following me, but you get these kind of sideways looks and then they're happening. So, yeah. Um, and actually, I was really lucky because at this Globo gym, there were two amazing osteopaths who I th- just calling them osteopaths is a disservice. Um, they both had a real big influence on the way that I think and probably uh, the reason why I went into sports massage therapy years later to kind of emulate them. Sports massage therapy in this case often leads to kind of osteopathy later on if you want. It gives you really solid foundation. And these guys were talking about, you know, um, fascia when I'd never heard of that word and how the entire body's interconnected and how you want to do long, complex movement patterns, not just bicep curls. And you want to be, you know, kind of training in a kind of capoeira-y style, but maybe then putting banded movements through that. And I just started training with these guys when they were doing their own workouts. And I still speak to both of them. One of them lives in Dubai and has an incredible business in Dubai. And the other guy lives um, on Bondi Beach. And has an incredible kind of Sounds terrible. movement-based osteopathy. Yeah, I know. And I actually, I've, I've, I've trained on Bondi Beach with him about two years ago. Um, I'll um, I'll drop their names at the end, you know, so that you can go and see their stuff because they are amazing. Yeah. But um, yeah, they had real big, um, yeah, real big like influence on me, and still do actually. I still just look at their stuff and chat to them. So, was there a particular moment when you thought? Uh, you know this okay let me let me rephrase that so i think when you, you can go to any you can go to any store right and any any um any news agents and look at a bunch of magazines men's health men's fitness women's fitness and it's got usually the, the same three or four headlines regurgitated in the same way you have you know uh get six pack in two weeks yeah six pack in two weeks <laughs> get bigger arms and have better sex right is usually is usually the thing and um what was there is there a particular moment or any particular thing that happened that made you decide that that's not the path for me? I'm going to kind of, you know, go a different direction. It's because, I, yeah, I had small arms. I didn't have a six pack and I was bad at sex. <laughs> so I can't. <laughs> so I was like, I'm definitely not getting on the, in that magazine. Um, no, not really. Like I don't, I, I never really like read magazines and was, didn't I mean I, I, was, I was I think I was quite lucky because I was just never in that world to begin with so when I, I kind of went into the whole PTing thing with a completely like blank mind and then just happened upon these really cool trainers and osteopaths and went into the jiu-jitsu world and you know like every white belt just watched a thousand hours of YouTube about the Gracie way or acai or moving on a living on a Californian beach and, you know, and getting your black belt, moving to California, like you can only dream of some people. Who would do that? Uh, Who would do that? Yeah. Um, so I think, and the kind of the, the, the skateboard world and the, you know, I was very much in the skate world and the kind of surf world and stuff like that. It was, you know, so that was kind of more anti-establishment. And I guess that's the kind of route I took in my job as well yeah in the fitness world yeah yeah um so let's kind of d- dive into when you started jujitsu i think did, did i take you to your, your first class 
He took me to my first ever gi class. Okay. Um, where I met some of the most mental looking people I've ever met. And it was in this dingy little basement in a V Academy in Farringdon. And it just smelled of big dude. Yeah, that's big, sweaty that's, dude. That's, that's what that's paint the picture for people, right? So there's um the gym is now, you know, it's one of the Hodger Gracie Academies in London. And the the gym's in a new place now, but they were in uh, operating out of a commercial gym in northeast London. And mm. you walk down one set of steps to go to the main gym floor where all the fitness equipment is, the reception desk. Uh, so you're already underground. And then to go to the jiu-jitsu gym, you go down another, another two sets of stairs. So you're in the basement of a basement in some kind of mm. high, high-rise high building in, um, in in London. And it's a small little sweat box. It was awesome, right? It was a great little gym. Um, it actually really was. I, was. I was really happy that I got in there mu- when it was still like that. How much do you weigh? You, you were about like 170 pounds. Oh, you do pounds I do now. now. Look I've at converted. You. I've converted. I'm sorry. How many kilos? I will tell you. I will tell you how much I weigh in kilos because that is the correct way of measuring weight. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you in stone to really confuse. Oh, some of your listeners I can't do stone <laughs> anymore. No, I can't actually. I'm I'm currently sitting at seventy five kilos. Seventy five kilos. This is about one sixty five, one seventy pounds. About so you can imagine going down into this it's all going into any kind of martial arts school is already intimidating i'm i weighed about 215 pounds at the time and i'm like you know six two six three then you've got people like basil and leo um one guy one guy from zimbabwe one guy from south africa like the nicest guys you ever meet but they're you know big guys over six foot weighing about 220 230 pounds right and it's um it's uh it can be an intimidating place so it must have been it was I think you're being kind. I think they probably weigh that now. They've shed a few black. Now they've got the black belt. That's tight. That's cinched around their waist. They've sh- you know shed a few pounds there. Yeah. But there, they were big. They were big then, and um, but they were really lovely. Like they were big, but lovely. And then you had because uh, I'd never really experienced like proper Brazilian people as well. And I walked in, and there was William and Max. Yeah. And like Max was in a combat army gi. <laughs> <laughs> And William just looks scary, like regardless of what he's yeah, wearing. Yeah, because William's like, got just yeah, scary. William's got two massive cauliflower years, and they both they must have been like you know brown Cute. belts at the time. And and Max is yeah. they're both like the nicest people in the world. But but Max, when you first yeah. meet him, can be a little bit intimidating as well. Oh man, he's like yeah, he's the most full on if like he's the most full on true Brazilian bloke I've ever met, and like he's brilliant, like he's a really good friend, and he's a really good instructor. Uh, but he, what I think the first thing he looked over and it was like, I was rolling with you and it was our first ever spa and he looked over, he was rolling with someone else and he had the time to look into my eyes and be like, you ever been choked out, man? <laughs> <laughs> you ever gone to sleep? And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> and he just started laughing. <laughs> I was just like, I think I said to you, I was like, don't let me roll with him. <laughs> like, <laughs> Help. Yeah. Yeah. Just to, just stay in the so way. So what made but you, he's awesome. Cause that's. Maybe it's an interesting topic to talk about, right? It's a, it's a, probably a big problem for a lot of people going in going into a gym for the first time, and hopefully they go into a good gym. What made you what made, what made you want to come back and get over some of that you know some of that intimidation factor? Realistically, I wasn't that. It wasn't like intimidated. Like I really enjoyed it. There wasn't a part. Some of the first time I ever properly rolled jujitsu was in another kind of dingy gym in southeast london and it was um as a carlson gracie guy 
from London Fight Factory, but he would do a no-gi class for MMA. And it was the only place that was near my mum. So I went there and did like no-gi and like I wore like swimming shorts and a surf rash vest. Uh And uh, (laughs) and I turned up and he put me with his younger brother who was getting ready for an MMA fight and who's got a jiu-jitsu and wrestling background and had about 35 pounds on me of pure muscle. And this guy just didn't hurt me, but just kind of like, have you, you know that Galval video Yeah, where he's just like treating the guy like a beach yeah. ball? That's kind of what happened to me. And I just had that, it, it's really cliche, but I was like, oh, I want to be able to do that to someone. And, um, you know, I, and it's, it's fun, man. I've always been quite a tactile person. That's why I like the massage. That's why I like physically, you know, moving, playing and, and that, it just seems like an extension of that. So, um, taking it back more to your kind of personal training then, what, um, were there any, you know, so the way you trained yourself in terms of strength and conditioning, right? Because this podcast is all about strength and conditioning for jujitsu, um, and other random Mm. stuff that we may or may not talk about, but, um, where, you know, when you went into jujitsu, did it open up your eyes to your potentially a new way that you needed to train? I want to get into kind of a little bit about, oh man. You know that I'm like the exact opposite of you, yeah. right? You know, like you are like well thought out, well planned, well researched. <laughs> You'll like make a plan and stick with it for like 15, 16 weeks and write like, like Rayman. about it in separate numbers. My nick- yeah. Like Rayman. I, I honestly call you Rayman. That used to be my nickname in the gym, uh, right? Rayman. Yeah, that is you. I mean, I can guarantee I can't see your feet right now, but I bet they're on a fucking earthing mat. So... <laughs> <laughs> like stick with it you know you read something you stick with it man um but so i've had so many i'm like the strength and conditioning coach's worst nightmare but because i collect my data through trying loads of stuff Mm -hmm. um and i have these like internal battles with myself because i work with and train with very like muscular looking dudes and you know i'm in good shape but i've never been like the jock Mm -hmm. and like whatever and because also because of like how much i can physically eat every day because of my colitis i can't you know i can't smash the calories and hit these protein shakes all the time i'll i'll just you know have to go to the loo a lot so my main thing that when I feel the strongest with jujitsu, 100% is through body weight, constant body weight training. And when I deviate from that to try and look good for like a holiday and start like lifting weights in some kind of CrossFit manner or hit a kind of long steady state progression program, I don't feel as good in jujitsu. And I'd say the best that I've ever felt in jiu-jitsu was the beginning of this year. And I actually took three or four months off jiu-jitsu completely from the academy. It's the first time, actually, the first time in since I started with you that I physically stopped paying Roger Gracie Academy for a few mm-hmm. months. Um, just because of a bunch of stuff happening at home. But I had I was just kind of felt riddled with injuries as well. I just wasn't going. I was getting frustrated with the injury. So I stopped all weight training, all jujitsu, and I did yoga. And I did yoga every day 
for an, like an hour a day, like every day. Started doing this like long Ashtanga program that was, you know, teaching you all of like the breathing and I just got so into it. And then I started rolling independently with um, our friend Rob yep. Hayward. Yep. And I just started, we just started exploring rather than fighting because he is also riddled with injuries from years of rolling and rugby and stuff like that. And we just started to kind of like mess around for hours and move and he's very much into his yoga as well. And then I went back to jujitsu and I felt like I'd never left. Really? And I was strong in, strong in crazy positions and I could think in different positions. And then I felt really healthy and I felt strong. And then I went back to lifting weights because I wanted to look strong. And then I definitely felt like I stopped doing yoga and I felt weaker again in jujitsu. Mm. That's interesting because I know you. T- I know you're taking a break off. I know you got into the yoga heavily. I didn't realize it was that much though, and the reasons why. Mm. So, what uh, what yoga programs were you following, or did you? Man, there is there is this absolutely amazing app and website called Yoga yeah. Glow. Yoga G L O. Yeah. It has. It's like twelve dollars mm-hmm. a month US. Uh, and you have access to some of the best teachers on the planet and about four and a half thousand professionally mic'd, professionally filmed videos, especially for that wow. website. So any type of video you can imagine is on there with some of the best people there. I know some of your or lots of your listeners will be, uh, you know, aware of yoga for BJJ because who mm-hmm. isn't? Um, Sebastian Broch gets his qualifications from one of the guys that teaches really? on that that guy is a guy called jason crandall who flies into europe and like does the accreditation for you know very high up mm. yogis and he i just do loads of his stuff he also trains a bit of jujitsu because he swaps with yeah. sebastian now um but yeah i mean if you want to do it in the comfort of your own home or when you're at the gym or when you're if you're outside Get get the app on your phone, on a you know, on your Mac, something like that. You can just put it outside and just headphones in, just yoga wherever you want. Yeah. It just it's so accessible. Yeah, the longer the more I train, the more jujitsu I do, the more time I spend on mobility. I do I, I throw in a bit of yoga, but I mix it in with, you know, kind of um, you know, self massage and different movement based mobility. Oh, yeah. Um <laughs> Not that kind of self-massage. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'd be interested to know. So you said that you, you felt beat up from jujitsu and you needed to take some time off. I think, first of all, having dedicated breaks in the year, I think is something that people overlook. You know, building in, but there's no mm. season. Well, there's kind of a season in jujitsu, but only if you if you want it. For most people, there's no season. It's mm. just, you know, 365 days of the year. Um, and I think, you know, it's underrated not planning in good periods of rest but i'm interested to know maybe some of the specific areas that you had problems with that you needed to target when you took that break off jujitsu and maybe some of the tactics and strategies you used to that says that the police coming the police coming for you oh i live in i live in the hood (laughs) mate (laughs) like like genuinely live in a really scary part of london and i'm moving in about three weeks (laughs) um so I actually was suffering from um, 
what I thought was like a shoulder problem for years. And I've had acupuncture, dry needling, physiotherapy, sports massage, deep tissue massage, osteopathy. And uh, when we rolled last, I'm so ashamed of that roll because I just, I was so battered and, and just injured. And then you turned up and I wanted to roll with you and you armbarred my arm. <laughs> and like, I felt it pop even more. And it was just like, oh, I'm better at jujitsu than how I like, you know, let's how speak, I speak, let's speak, speak so, to like, you for the listeners. Well, the arm popped accidentally, not because I was being an asshole. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. No, no, my arm, it, it was just a damaged arm. And actually it wasn't, it wasn't the arm that you were arm barring. It was the arm that was holding that arm to try and prevent while I escaped. But you're so fat. That your force <laughs> pull both arms across. It's not skill, Lawrence. It's weight. So, no, but it's but it, I mean that's how it was just ridiculous. I had this like withering arm, and actually at the beginning of this year, the head of my massage course realised that my ulnar nerve has was out of place. This so the what's the ulnar nerve? Oh man, don't put me on the spot. It's quite late at night. Um, but essentially, there is a nerve. Where my well, where my ulnar nerve was out of place is it kind of threads. If if you feel your yep. elbow, if you bend your elbow and put it there, there's almost like a divot on the inside of the elbow that's like closest to your lats and ribs. You can feel that little yep. divot there. But you can through there, like in, inside that, that's there's a nice little like little cable run for your ulnar nerve. Mine had to come out of that. So it was pressing against mm. bone, which was slowly sending all the muscles around my like right scap into spasm and then a huge knot. And then it was like a turtle living under there, which then meant that my shoulder stopped working properly. And then my pec started to do what my shoulder was supposed mm -hmm. to do. So then, then one of your big movers tr is trying to be a stabilizer. And I just lost all this strength and all this kind of feeling. And then my hands started to go numb. And this is like slowly over years. Um, so I've been doing all this work to try and get that. And then boom, someone pushed my nerve back into place. And overnight it was, it was better. So I, I just started to do, I just started to refine all like the kind of handstand, you, you know, down dog positions that I'd lost the ability to basically mm -hmm. do. So, um, and I found that and, going back into that and exploring those movements really helped with jujitsu. I know that was a really long story about a very specific injury, but it's that kind of exploration in your body when you get injuries that I, I find fascinating. Yeah. Um, and now I know all those symptoms, I can help people mm. pinpoint if they have similar things. I think there's, um, I think there's a couple of lessons though that, that kind of pop, pop out of that one. And the first one is you get these small signals in your body your body is when you've got a little bit of discomfort and a little bit of pain. And I'm not talking about um, yeah, if you if you land and you twist your knee and you've got pain from that. It's quite obvious what what's causing that problem. But if you just got a nagging little, oh, you know, my back's a little bit stiff in that area. My shoulders a little bit of tight. My hips a little bit tight. That's your body tell, sending you a signal. And unless you sort that, it's gonna as it sounds, it did with you. It's gonna manifest itself in a much bigger problem over time. Um, and also the idea of um, I was talk about upstream and downstream. So the problem was felt like it was in your shoulder, but it was the nerve 
the problem in your elbow. And that's very specific, but it still applies for a lot of situations. I think tendonitis in the elbow is often caused mm. by weakness in the bicep, as one example. So you, you, know, you start to explore these things. Um, I mean, that is it. that's essentially what sports massage therapy linked with personal training is. You're becoming this kind of detective, um, which I really, really enjoy. You know, it's not like I am a professional soccer player. My hip mm-hmm. hurts. Fix my hip. It's like, all right, well, this guy probably kicks a thousand, you know, of the same shot a week. How's he doing that? Is it different when he's running full pelt to when he's standing still? Is it different when he feels like there's someone chasing him and he's got to release quickly? It, you know, is what what direction is his face looking when he kicks the ball? What time, you know, all of these things. And then so you get people to do these actions to explain what their life is like when the pain is most apparent. Um, and I think in jujitsu it's really easy to just think that like a submission is going to hurt you in the place that the submit that that submission is applied. Whereas actually loads of things can be, you know, loads of things can be going on. You just have to look at the leg lock game now to understand that <laughs> holding someone's heel can make their head explode or something. Well, it transfers like that, to you know? the knee, right? It's the knee that often goes. Um, exactly. Yeah. But it's, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, the, where, where you often, where you feel in the pain, the lower back, the lower back is a really good example of this that, uh, you know, lower back problems are very, very common in jujitsu. And people think that you've got to try to, um, actually, I know you've just got an injury in the lower back, right? Um, but, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right now. Um, <laughs> you talk about that. Um, but, you know, people think, okay, I've got to strengthen the lower back uh, and, and the muscles up and down the spine. Yes, you know, you do. But when you look at the research, the majority of back pain comes from tight hamstrings and weak glutes um, and, and a weak core. Uh, there's, there's, there's other contributing factors, but they seem to be the kind of the key one. So you've got to think, you know, I, I talk about this a lot and, you know, absolutely there's people that can tell you how to pinpoint what the cause of the problem is. But just on your own, if you haven't got the time, the money or the resource to go and speak to people, just that thinking of, okay, my shoulder hurts, but is my chest too tight? Do I need to massage out my back and my lats? You can start to explore these things yourself, and I think the more that you educate people on, you know, the the kind of the principles behind it, rather than just giving them the solution, I think longer term you can start to, you know, sometimes work out your own problems because you know, you, you, you know, not every problem deserves going paying paying someone a few hundred dollars or a few hundred pounds to go and get it fixed. Sometimes just getting on a foam roller and just massaging out certain parts of the body when you know how to do it will will, will can solve a lot of problems too. But anyway. Or find out if anyone is like, you know, into massage or physiotherapy in your academy and just ask them at the end of a rolling session to give you free advice. It happens <laughs> happens all the time. And people probably will, you know, it's just fun. And um, I think I think there are a few tools that people overlook that can really help in jujitsu. And one of them is the Epsom salt bath because it is a real global relaxation tool for your muscles and, and, and fascia. Then the next one I would say is the foam roller. And a lot of people think, oh, does the foam roller work or not? Well, 
it does if you're not entirely sure what you're trying to massage out. So it just kind of globally rolls this big area, right? You can get these big areas like your limb, get your thighs and your hamstrings and your whatever. And if there is something like mm, something to do with the fascia that's pulling down across the body or you're just not quite sure, you know, you're not going to go in and say, I want trigger point therapy on this. Get a foam roller around the areas and the areas around what's hurting. And you might just accidentally make it feel better if you don't want to go to someone who knows what they're talking about. Um, you mix those two together, you're probably going to be pretty good yeah, and- for a long time. Uh, you can you can use trigger trigger point balls. I know you've actually got some really cool videos about mm-hmm. opening up the hips with trigger point balls. Um, they're they're spot yeah, on. They're, they're amazing. So if anyone wants to know about those hips, uh, yeah, go, go to YouTube, your website, huh? YouTube.com forward slash BJJ Strength. Um, little, little little plug. Um, I'm allowed to though. It's my podcast. Um, but I would you know what I would say is I, I don't think either of us here are suggesting don't go and seek professional help. Um, you know, absolutely go and go and go and speak to people, right? Get in touch with Jack, get in touch with myself, whoever, right? We don't really care. But, you know, that's not how people operate, right? People typically will go, Oh, I've got a problem, I'm gonna put it off and put it off and put it off. Um, but just some basic maintenance work. Are there are there any particular areas that just for general maintenance you think people should target when they do jujitsu, um, in terms of form rolling? glutes for sure get right in there get a small ball get your get into almost like a triangle position so getting an ankle on top of a knee and then just really lean down into one glute you know so you've almost made a little triangle you've really pinpointed almost like a stiletto effect so it's just glute and ball and really get in there um and hips, man, come on, if you're a black belt. What's like one of the most important things in yeah. jiu-jitsu is your hips, right? Hip movement, hip mobility, hip placement, hip awareness. So if that's one of the most important things, it's probably going to be one of the areas that is getting battered the most without you knowing it, mm-hmm. just through wear and tear. So, Yeah, I would happy. add two things to that. One would be the psoas, which is which is kind of uh, the psoas mm-hmm. is a muscle that runs up from from the hip and is about, uh, you know, about an inch or two to the side of your belly button um, around that area. Look it up online, the psoas, mm-hmm. P-S-O-A-S. Um, but the, other, what the point I'd make about, you know, what I think Jack is saying about mobilizing the hips is that often when you get problems in the knee, um, some of the positions that you need to you move your leg out, uh, move your leg in jujitsu, whether you've got to rotate the hip internally or externally, they can cause problems in the knee when you haven't got enough mobility in the hip. So targeting the glutes, as you're saying, and the hip flexor, I think is is massively important. Funny you should say the psoas because two days ago when I was lying on the table with my osteopath, she she basically. So I hurt, I've kind of strained mm, L5, S1 um, discs and it was in jiu-jitsu and then I went up to my osteo and she's like, what have you done now? And um, every single professional will tell you to stop doing jiu-jitsu. It's the first thing they tell you to do and you go, cool, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah just, just don't, don't tell me that. And um, 
and she did, she's amazing and she was kind of she oh you're you're jammed up in your hips and she's pulling one leg as hard as she can she goes right i'm gonna have to get really deep into your psoas because they're like rocks and it's to get that level of massage is tough on your you know to do yourself to to get a real psoas deep psoas like massage you're gonna have to have someone else do that and uh it's a real experience when when it's tight and someone's yeah. breaking that apart but that is you know i so as tight uh left hip jammed up fixed boom oh yeah you caught this problem yeah no i'm saying this yeah. problem you know um not doing anything mental it well again it wasn't it wasn't in a submission it wasn't going crazy it was after the roll standing is up that what caused walk it away from the mat boom yep and hit then so it can i mean and it is what it is you just go and see someone you do the rehab you take the time off you don't worry about you know pushing through it especially over the age of 30 don't just try and push through it just chill out um i'm actually reading a fantastic book by oh, josh waitskin yeah he is the chess guy and the jiu-jitsu guy yeah. and the tai chi guy and um he just talks about like you know really top level athletes if they get injured aren't just sitting down and waiting to be better they're like reviewing their game reviewing how they can change things they use that time to I'm not saying i'm an athlete but you know just you just take that time to kind of reflect on maybe changing your game or you know how are you going to exercise differently to never get this pain again or understanding that the the pain that you're in and there's a lesson and you know yeah there's all, i think there's always so a lesson all. to be learned within it with, with with an injury and you know an injury like yours then you know it's identifying mm. a tightness and maybe a weakness somewhere in the body but uh, you know there's you know, nothing mm -hmm. nobody's going to be injury proof and you, you can't avoid it but sometimes just you know the way that you know, the way you roll nothing is guaranteed but i think you can approach your training in a, in a certain way you don't need to go all out all of the time um look after your body in terms of nutrition and hydration, you know, work on some mobility. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, strength work and movement work and ability and mobility work on top of other things. I don't think it matters, you know, specifically what you do, but I think everyone that does jujitsu needs to do something off the mat to supplement it because it's, yeah, it's, it's a tough Massively. sport. But I'd like to just say, you know, as much as I, because a lot of people will be shouting like at this because this is a strength podcast and I've just said do yoga. But, you know, if you look at someone like Sebastian Brosh, who does a lot of yoga, mm -hmm. he is really strong. I mean, there are things that yoga misses out, like there's not a lot of pull. So I do climbing as a hobby as well and yeah. just go bouldering and stuff like that. You supplement it and you can do pull ups and whatever. So as long as you understand and you're not dogmatic, I'm not saying just do yoga or just do uh, body weight stuff. If you, you know, you can take Sebastian for one. And then there's a guy that trains um, at our RGA who was originally from headquarters yep. called James okay. Cooper. You know, oh, this, that man is an absolute beast. You know I mean, he's got like the bowling ball shoulders and he's just, it's just, a lump of muscle and incredibly intelligent in the way that he trains. You'll see him deadlifting 
hundreds of kilos, squatting 200 plus kilos on a regular basis and smashing the rowing machine for like 10,000 meters, you know? And so he trains in a very, very different way. And I guarantee you, he doesn't get injured a lot on the mat, you know, and he's a black belt and he's good at jujitsu and what he does works as well. So you can have intense, you know, strength and conditioning or almost, you know, bodybuilding in a sense, not saying he's a bodybuilder, but God, he looks like one. So you can have both, both of those work. You just got to do it sensibly and mm. uh, correctly. And if, you know, if, if you come up against someone who does that kind of strength and conditioning kind of power stuff, that's a nightmare. It's, yeah, I think there's, well, in terms of whether it's, you know, you're, you're saying you're, people may not like it because we're talking about yoga. This podcast is all about anything that's going to make you better physically on, on the mats and off the mats. Um, and I think, you know, the off the mat stuff is important mm. as well because, you know, what, what, what's good, what good is there doing a hobby five days a week and then you feel like shit the rest of the time you move around. Um, I think there's, I think there's a trade off with the more, the more intense that you do your strength and conditioning and the more time that you put into your strength and conditioning, the more likely it's going to take away from your jujitsu. It's a, it's a balance and that balance is going to be different for every person, um, Someone like James is at the level he is with his strength and condition, and it's taken him probably a decade or, or more to get there. So I think you, you've got people. People need to realize mm. that you, you know, if you're if you're doing jujitsu four or five times a week, and you think and you're listening and thinking, yeah, I should do some other stuff, yeah, to, to you know maybe sort out some you know some postural issues, work on something with my shoulders and my hips, build it in slowly and build it in slowly. I'm, I'm working with someone at the moment and. You know, he's got more time on his hands and he said, I want to do a strength and conditioning program. And I've given him something very simple for, you know, two days, two days a week and true in, you know, in, in inverted commas, strength exercises. He's only got three strength exercises in there. The rest of the stuff he's doing are, you know, like core activation, glute activation, balancing on one leg, single leg deadlift, stuff that's slowly going to reteach the body how to work properly so if you're listening and you're thinking okay i have to do you know okay i need to do lifting weights so i've got to do some pull-ups i've got to swing some kettlebells or i'm going to do yoga you know don't suddenly add in a yoga a, a yoga session of an hour every single day and do you jujitsu and expect it to be fine you know build this stuff in gradually over time you know, really really think about playing the long game rather than right i've got to get in super shape within you know 12 weeks Yeah, um, I think that's really applicable for people who have decided to compete as well. And I'm going to straight up say, and this is also going to make people go, oh, but like, I don't Most compete. Most people don't. Um, I don't. I don't really feel like that's what I do jiu-jitsu for. I really do it because I like the camaraderie and all of that stuff. And I like going there and figuring stuff out and what have you. And some people really thrive in those kind of competition states. And um I have a few friends who are monsters, purple belts that I train with. One from Fight Zone, one from Roger Gracie Academy. They're both fighters, you know, they're fit, athletic, explosive fighters. And I find it difficult, there's one guy that I train with, I find it difficult that anyone at purple belt could beat him. He's so above and beyond a purple belt. But when he goes into competition... Sometimes he, he stops the 
training that he normally does, if you know what I mean. So like he just goes, he does the best thing, right? He does what Ross does. He just trains all the time. You know, like that Marcelo Garcia kind of thing. Like, how do you become really good at jiu-jitsu? Yep. I train all the time. He's always on the mat. And I've just seen my friend go from, yeah, he's pretty good to, oh, mm-hmm. man, he's there's something special with him now. You know, he's... It, uh, but just sometimes then he, he gets wind of a competition, then he'll start doing a bit of CrossFit and running and a bit of yoga to like get ready for it. And then he just feels yeah. burnt out. And I just think that he doesn't need to yeah. do that because he's already amazing. And I, th- but I see that with a lot of people, especially like white belts, you know, will go, I'm going to get into shape for this competition. And they just supplement their jujitsu with loads of stuff they never do. It's and, the biggest uh, mistake I think people crazy. make when it comes to strength and conditioning for jujitsu. And I've, I've seen it very, very recently. I talked about it on a, on a, on a recent show. Um, but, the, you know, if you look at the, the, the research and the normal methodologies for strength and conditioning for any sport, the closer you get to a competition, you actually reduce the volume of your strength and conditioning. The intensity may pick up slightly, but you reduce the volume and you focus more on your sport-specific skills. But what most people are doing is the complete opposite. They try to, you know, add in all this work towards a competition. In all honesty, the kind of benefits that you're going to get in six to eight weeks from a strength and conditioning program are going to be are going to be minimal, um, particularly with the way a lot of people train. You've got to be you've got to be looking. I think at le- at least six months out. Yes, if you know within twelve to eight weeks, you can mm. do some supplemental stuff, but it would be very basic. You know, very basic, making sure your glutes are activated, your the, the muscles in your shoulder blades are activated properly. A little bit of core work and mobility work, just to kind of you know fine tune the machine, but you know very very minimal. Um, yeah, but mostly trying to, I think I'm going to get strong. I'm going to get powerful. It's just going to take away from your jujitsu in that short time frame. The, mm-hmm. the, the very, it's a very common mistake. Yeah, we I agree. Agree. We agree on stuff, Jack, a lot. Maybe there, maybe there's something we don't, we don't agree on, right? Um, and that maybe that's makes makes of a more, makes for more interesting, um, more interesting approach. What might be, I don't know. There's a ton of stuff I could ask you, but maybe kind of. I know this is something we something we do take a different approach on. It's kind of diet, diet and nutrition in terms of in terms of the way that in terms of the way you, you eat. <laughs> um, on, 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 I don't know. Oh, really? Have you, have <laughs> you gone like uh, actually? Have you gone carnivore again? <laughs> yeah, actually, about a month ago, I I started eating meat for the first so, time. Okay, in so like tell tell months, maybe years. tell people why you stopped eating meat in the first place. Um, how you felt, and then maybe trying to try. <laughs> I just wanted to be cool. No, <laughs> no. Um, no well, because obviously a lot of my decisions for myself are based around colitis and whether or not I can, you know, I when I was first diagnosed, I walked out of that hospital and there was loads of stuff that they told me that I shouldn't, shouldn't do. Actually, they, mm, they didn't give me that much information. I found a lot of that out myself and I had to just experiment. Um, one thing I do not eat is gluten and I haven't eaten for five years. And that is not a trendy thing. If I, if I eat that, I get sick, like instantaneously, like ill, but the vegetarian thing was then a couple of years later, I just wanted to see if that would reduce inflammation and like of my gut and my bowels. And, um, I just found I really, I just kind of enjoyed it and it made me a better 
cook and more conscientious. I had to really think about what, because I wasn't used to it, I had to really think about what I was eating, create these things. Otherwise, I'd get bored of it. I didn't want to just eat broccoli and carrots and whatever. And um, so it made me like really creative. And then I was actually very lucky to meet my girlfriend um, who had been almost a lifelong vegetarian mm -hmm. and an amazing cook. And uh, she really started to, you know, we would really make some really beautiful food. But this might, I don't know, who cares about what, what other people eat, right? You shouldn't take glee in what other people eat unless you've made it for them. And, um, but you might enjoy the fact that I was just like, do you know what, man, I'm tired. Like I'm tired a lot. My energy feels low for the workouts that I'm doing, for the jujitsu training that I want to do. Uh, so I just started eating meat just to see, like it was quite a moral, like conundrum for a while. Cause I'd really invested in not eating meat. I wasn't one of those people that was shouting from the rooftops, but you do become a little bit moral, like kind of moralistically superior, if that's a word in your own head. You're like, well, you know, I love animals and I'm not going to eat. Then them. you did. What did you, what was, the, did. what was the first bit of meat that you <laughs> ate after? And then, before? Well, first of all, I had, uh, we made a bone broth and I had a, a, a beef bone broth. And then the next day I had a chicken bone broth to kind of warm my body up to it. And then it was a Sunday and I had a roast chicken dinner, proper English, really yeah, nice, most, from, you know, real most, fancy most, place. And um, you should, I've got it on video. Mate. Oh, I'll, send you should. It to you. <laughs> I'll send you the first bite. And and then I just jumped right in. I just jumped in, and then the next day Did I had really? steak, and then the next day after that I had lamb. Yeah, I went nuts. Today I've had I've had quite a lot of meat, you know. But we go to the we go oh, to yeah. like the ginger pig and borough market and stuff like that, and and get overly expensive organic meat that's had <laughs> bedtime stories read to it and stuff like that. So don't worry about grass fed. You want you want one that's had like. Enya played to it every night, you know, to relax it. Yeah. How did Pan you um music? So you decide. So you, so you're saying yeah, you decided to eat the meat because for the training that you were doing, you didn't. So it's, it's like nutritional density in meat is so amazing uh, that for me, volume of food rather than can can be a problem as well as type of food. So in order to get the kind of nutritional dense, like the nutritional kind of volume from a kind of vegan diet, because I was a vegan for the most of the year as well, is incredibly difficult. You have to eat a lot, like volume-wise. Or you can just get a really lovely bit of steak and it has a lot of that in it and there's still room in my belly and it's, you know, it doesn't bloat me. Uh, and it's not just 100% carbs. So I've, I'll tell you right now, after three and a half years of not eating meat, in the month that I was eating meat, and I still am, really, I feel like I'm on drugs when I train. Oh, yeah, yeah. My endurance, my just like muscle endurance. I mean, just performance, like how I feel the next day, how I feel before and after, like just literally being, you know, less tired throughout the day, having buckets of energy. People tell you that they have a lot of energy on a vegan diet, and you might do, but man, I really, I, it feels like I'm cheating. Like, yeah, yeah, it, and I, 
you know, I was really interested to see what it would feel like. I honestly thought after a month, if I didn't feel any different, I'd go back to vegetarianism because if there was no difference, then what's the point of eating the animals? But I do feel a difference. Yeah, it's probably the so saturated fat stayed with the it. testosterone. The big part of it anyway. I mean, yeah, there's that. There's, there's just the abundance of B12 in my diet now and the, you know, and just, and protein, like just an abundance of protein. I had enough protein in my vegetarian diet, yeah. but probably have like excess. Your beard, your beard looks, your beard looks good for it. It's great for recovery and muscle building. <laughs> That's a powerful beard, huh? I had to double the length of just my to beard make up when you lost. sacrificed yours. I'm glad to bring that you balance did that. to the universe. Yeah, yeah. I remember. When you grow yours, um, I'll trim this back. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Actually, I didn't know that. I didn't realize you started eating meat again. And I've, you know, I've got a way of eating that works for me. You've got a way of eating that works for you. I know two, you know, two vegans, vegans or vegetarians. I think the vegetarians, black belts that kick my ass all the time. Um, fit, you know. Technically and you know physically, they're 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 awesome as well. If I think for me, the big big lesson is that you've got a self experiment of what makes you feel good. And some people will say, "Well, I eat this all the time and I feel okay." Well, take stuff out of your diet for a period and then add stuff back in, and that's when you really learn to know, you know, what you know what doesn't doesn't work and if that's a clear example i think if you add in meat in and it works for you if it doesn't work for other people then don't add it in it's there's you know everyone's got a way a different way of eating and you know i, I don't really get you know too too moral i do though remember when i first started eating paleo i'm kind of i call myself paleo-esque right i follow i follow some of the key principles but i'm not like i'm not like <laughs> yeah. you know a hard, hard hardcore paleo but when i first started doing that i felt i literally felt like walking around going i am paleo with my arms in the air because it felt did i maybe i might have done yeah, i would have been drunk yeah i think so <laughs> yeah that was that on, on tequila yeah, obviously it's 100 um, it's 100 paleo so you can drink as much of it as you want and it's good and it's it's fine <laughs> almost good it's yeah it's like practically maybe, a vegetable maybe Although i don't know if that's um so what do you have any kind of overarching philosophies that you try to follow not, 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 i suppose in terms of your personal training but but also when you train clients because we haven't really touched on the clients you train on uh, tra train with and i you know you've you know, a lot of the stuff that you've done with, you know, with, with models is quite interesting because, you know, these, these are people that have done very little in terms of a lot of physical training. They obviously, um, uh, you know, they're far more concerned about weight management than maybe someone is for jujitsu. And I think a lot of that can translate then into maybe the stuff that people could use for jujitsu. So I've kind of given you about four questions there. Answer whichever one you want. I don't... I'm not entirely sure that my work with models can be translated into anything helpful for jiu-jitsu, except for the fact that recently I've decided I've started working with a sports nutritionist who who does nutrition for the North Face and mm -hmm. Nuffield group. And he's fantastic. He's a really clever bloke. And I've grouped him in to just try and educate them on food and i think food and education around food is one of the most important things so we're treating these women like athletes because actually i'm very lucky because the models that i work with 
are like the top end. You know, so we're treating them like athletes because they have specific shapes and sizes for specific yep. dates. So it's almost like fight week when it's like London Fashion Week. They need to be in this shape, yeah. but they don't need to be in that shape forever. So they need to get into this shape, which is quite a small, weird, you know, shape. They basically have to be human uh, hanging, like hangers, you know, clo clothes hangers. Because um, it's not about them, it's about the clothes. But it's not really ne necessarily good for a lot of those women to be in that shape all the time. So we kind of, we, we're, we're looking at like, nutritional intake timings and after like workouts and when they're going to take carbs and when they're not going to take carbs and the days that they just take fats. Um, if you are serious about being in jujitsu, talk to a sports nutritionist. Honestly, if you think that you're not getting sleep or you're, you're, you're not getting energy because you're training so much, talk to a registered sports nutritionist and start thinking about nutritional time. Can you give, can That's you what give we're doing examples? with these girls. That's what I know very successful athletes. I'm really bad at that. <laughs> That's why I'm working with a sports nutritionist. But, you know, like roughly, like if you're not training in a day, it's your rest day. Um, yeah. Have more fats, less carbs, you know, like keep your carb heavy days for the training days. Maybe you have a, a little bit of carbs before the training and then take a lot more carbs after the training. I personally, you know, like you, I think I do and ha have done for years is like kind of yeah. intermittent fasting. I don't really eat until like 11 or 12 in a day anyway. I don't want to. But sometimes if I know that there's going to be a hard training or something, I might eat a little bit yeah. before if I'm fit, you know, just so I don't feel flat. Sometimes, sometimes I don't just listen to the body, but that's what, that's what I'm trying to do with these women. And I feel like any athlete should be talking to a nutritionist if mm -hmm. they really want to perform well. Um, so that would be a top tip to any models or any jujitsu or any crossovers, any jujitsu models, you know, um, talk to a sports nutritionist, work with a sports nutritionist. The other thing I'd say is work with someone like yourself. Work with someone who meticulously plans things out. You know, I will say this now. I know this is like, it feels like I'm kind of fluffing you up because you're my mate. But if I had to have a strength and conditioning coach, I would want it to be you because I know that you would put your everything into the plan specifically for me. And I would also know that if I followed that plan, I might end up looking a bit like you which is, you know, <laughs> what most people want. It's like, I'm just big athletic bloke is telling me how to become like that, but has done the research and sits down and does the science. You know, that I talk about that James Cooper guy as well. He does the science. There is a reason why a lot of his clients end up looking a lot like him. He does the science and you follow this blueprint. So seek out a professional that is mm -hmm. good at what you want to be good at and do what they say, you know, if you want to be good at jiu-jitsu and you want to be strong in jiu-jitsu, seek out people that are really strong in jiu-jitsu. It could be someone like mm -hmm. you. It could be someone like James or it could be someone like Sebastian Broch. If you want to be more kind of, you know, fle flexible and, and kind of that yogic strength, but follow people that really know what they do yeah, um, and have proven themselves. That's what I want. Just because I'll just quickly, because you can look at Instagram or something like that 
And everybody's a sponsored athlete by the looks of it. If you go and buy a pair of Nike shorts, suddenly you're saying thank you to Nike for letting you buy these shorts. And you're dressed in head-to-toe Nike gear like you're sponsored. But that doesn't mean... And that that person's got 80,000 followers. That doesn't mean that person knows what they're talking about. You know? Yeah. Just go and find someone who's really good at what they do. Yeah. I uh, follow their plan. I keep meaning to put this post up on Instagram and I'll get around to it. But I, I... me, me in full, me in full. If they want to sponsor me and throw enough money <laughs> yeah. at me, I'll, 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 I'll prostitute myself out for some, uh, for some like yeah. Um, but the, you know, it, it, Instagram is, yeah, I, I think Instagram is, is, is really good. But people will see, let's you say, hard workouts or people that are kind of in a sweaty mess, um, and yeah, they've worked really hard, and it's like, ah, oh, you know, I've just done this, in, this incredible workout, whereas most people could benefit a lot more from doing stuff that on the surface looks boring, like standing on one leg in perfect posture for a minute. You know what that does in terms of your your foot alignment, your knee alignment, hip alignment, your core, your glutes, and just the, that. So I, I, I should post it. I will post it. Um, but it's what people think they need is often, you know, the complete opposite end of what most people need because – I I I am um, I might go down a rabbit hole with this one, but I was away traveling this week and I was just doing some walking for about 30 minutes with some breathing exercises. I don't walk as much as I used to, and I can feel it in my legs and my feet the next day. You know, just that's walking. That walking shouldn't make your body hurt. Walking should just be kind of, you know, a core foundation of what we do on a day-to-day basis. And I'm someone who's, you know, consider myself very, very active. Um, and if you spend, if you drive to work, if you sit at work all day, drive back from work, and yes, you do jujitsu five times a week for an hour or an hour and a half. Yes, you're going to be considered as someone who's really, really active. If all the, all the rest of your time is mostly sedentary, you know, going and doing, um, you know, a super high intense workout maybe it's not going to give you as much benefit as, you know, some good activation and alignment work, um, which I won't get into in terms of what that means. But, um, you know, some of the stuff that doesn't look as exciting is actually what's going to give you much more benefit. Totally. Yeah, just, yeah. totally. Can we, can we disagree on something? We haven't, we haven't it, disagreed on anything. I don't know. You're not like this. It's warm in I here. I don't really man. like that top you're wearing. It's all fast. warm. It's pretty crap. I don't agree with you yeah. moving away from the UK. I, I've always hated that choice. I thought it was stupid. Uh, and you should probably come back. It's hot over here now. You could come back. Jiu-Jitsu is good. Um, I... Yeah, I mean, I don't agree with Ross Nichols' <laughs> opinion that your jiu-jitsu is awful. So he definitely said that. Open. It's, it, he actually starts he really? every class with did. something mean about you. I bet he does. I uh, bet he does. All yeah, I know is really when I going, showed up last summer to London to, <laughs> in London to roll with him, he was conveniently injured. I think his Dude, main I got a silver is, medal in the you world. never done Nogi? That's his main thing. Inogi. <laughs> masters one. It was Masters one. Was that was Masters one. five? <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
it would be fun. He was, he was, no, he, I just want to see this happen. He was going to be on EBI. I he love got it. invited. A bit of, a bit of Welsh and Welsh invited crime. to EBI, but then he got injured at the last moment. So when he... Um... He's yeah. He's on fire, mate. Yeah. He's absolutely on fire at the moment. It's a real pleasure to watch. It's really cool. It's good stuff, man. Yeah, no, um, it's good. It's good. It's good to watch him. Good to watch him do well. I need to get him on. I need to get him on the podcast, and then I can give him a load of give him a load of shit. Yeah, because yeah, he's got you know, yeah, obviously, sure doesn't doesn't really do strength well. and conditioning um, or very little of it. Just kind of trained mostly. Yeah, he's like the anti-moral. He literally said there's a, there's a small um, tatami uh, like. I don't know, not documentary, but six minute like thing about him that they filmed. And he openly says, he's like, don't do what I do. He's like, yeah. Go whatever do works for people, right? Whatever works for people. Know, very, very um, so maybe we'll yeah. get, we'll, we'll start kind of wrapping this yeah. up. And I want to, I want to ask you, uh, you don't need to limit it in terms yeah. of a number of tips, but any tips that you want to give people listening that what they can do, first of all, in terms of physical optimization for jujitsu, so anything they can do off the mat, to help them on the mat or just kind of feel better off the mat that may then translate better into jujitsu and then any general tips that you've got for people that are starting jujitsu that off the mat i would take into consideration your fitness level right now your age you know take those things into consideration if you're 43 you're just starting jujitsu and you weren't fit before don't try and supplement it with crossfit you know like be realistic listen to your body just try and be healthier figure out what you're eating move a little bit more um if you are young 16 17 18 and you are like i'm gonna be the next big thing talk to a professional Get them to figure out what your body's good at, what you could do, and start training intelligently. You know, if you want to be that jiu-jitsu athlete, mm. train so that you can be that athlete for the rest of your life. Don't just train for the next fight or the next competition, you know. Build that up. Build that strength up intelligently. Um, I mean, there are always outliers that have done something different and achieved something amazing, but most you know mostly if you're intelligent about your training listen to your body and be realistic um and look for professional help you know it doesn't have to be paying a personal trainer or a strength and conditioning coach you might just have a consultation with them or do some research that you know look at reddit you've got some of the best you know minds talking about it and discussing these things on platforms like that um you know Gun show. People strength. can't see it because it's recorded, but I look awesome in the camera. That's right it. Now. Look at that gun show. Um, and um, and I'm, I'm completely modest as well. Uh, that's good oh, advice. Oh, that's huge. That's really good <laughs> advice, actually. Um, I think there's, you know, uh, some people enjoy working stuff out on their own and solving the puzzle. I think you're one of those people. I'm one of those people. But if you're not, go speak to someone, right? Um, and, and know and know what your goals are and know what your boundaries are and know what your baseline is. Um, but then do you have uh, in, any general tips for someone just starting, starting jiu-jitsu, going onto the mat? <laughs> tap, you know, tap quickly, tap often. It's fine. 
just tap, man. Like you, if you are getting choked or if someone's got you in an armbar, tap, learn from that and just fight again rather than maybe get your shoulder dislocated and then you can't learn anything because yeah. you're, you're the guy at home that didn't tap. But well done you. You didn't tap because you're tough. But you also broke your arm or you broke your foot or your whatever. It's fine. As long as you learn from those taps, you know, like that whole no ego thing, right? Your ego does get completely destroyed at white belt. But it's all right because you slowly build it up through blue belt and then you really get a good ego back at purple. And then, man, yeah. you've got an ego at purple. I brown. think the, the, the ego you know, so thing get is... It back. Don't worry about it. Obviously, you get people talk about it. It's interesting. Ego. But... but um, the, the ego is a double-edged sword because the ego can push you to do stupid stuff. It's also <laughs> the ego that is telling you, get off your lazy ass and go to training. So, you know, it works, it works both ways. Yeah, of course it is. Everyone, everyone's got an ego. But I would, I would just be like, be super patient, man, and just listen and just have fun. Um, it's fine. The the more, I don't know, It again, it's a bit like general, isn't it? Like, if you are yeah. hungry and you want to compete and you want to win and you want to prove something, train hard, take it seriously. But you know, still learn from the taps. Don't be, yeah, don't, we all have. Don't be upset that you get tapped. <laughs> I think I've been tapped four million times, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's a rumor. Just by you, actually, and side control. Just side that's control. Good advice, pressure. man. That's good advice. That's it. And where can people find Man, you? just have fun. They can't. Jack no, uh, they can really. Please find me. And um, at Jack I know, I've got jackedwardsfitness.com. I mean, it's pretty cryptic, that one. Uh, yeah. Um, at Jack Jitsu. I think I'm doing a more like professional thing. I'm not really like Instagram mad. But yeah, Jack underscore Jitsu cool. is my kind of personal Instagram. And Jack Edwards Fit. I'm just going to do that for just what I do with my clients and stuff. Um, that's up. Yeah. And there's information about what I do. If you're in London and you know, you want to chat about anything, uh, you got an injury or you happy you days, know, whatever. Man. Happy um, days. Check it with well, thank you for coming on. It's been great to speak to you. To I think it's, um, it's really um, interesting yeah, to hear get in contact. About, about your philosophies and your story. I think people yeah. are going to pick up a lot of value from that. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll close this out, but before you guys go, make sure to it's Jack Edwards fitness. Was it Jack? Ed, it's jackedwardsfitness.com. Right, head head over there. I think that's the main place he wants you to go. Um, if you haven't already, head over to bjjstrength.com. Check out some of the free stuff that we've that's got on the, the website. One, the free breathing for BJJ course. Um, if you're gassing out all the time, I, I can almost guarantee that uh, you know your, your breathing, improving your breathing, could improve improve that. So, yeah. Breathe through the nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any way you can practice the breathing off my yoga or whatever it is, it's going to help. Well. It's going to help you jujitsu. Um, at BJJ yeah. Strength on Instagram, uh, youtube.com forward slash BJJ Strength for a whole host of, of good shit. Go check it out, guys. Yeah, Tom was our. Can I quickly um, have a little shout out to Thomas Pryor, just because it feels you know, weird we're doing a podcast about producer him. Producer like, extraordinaire for the Rolling so Health and Random Thoughts Tom. podcast. You can go find that. So it's Rolling Health Random Thoughts. 
Um, that was a while ago. That was that, that was good fun. That was good fun. I think Tom would be proud of my little audio setup I've got here. I think I think he would. Um, yeah, I think he'd approve. So yeah, Tom. <laughs> That's not intentional, yeah, I promise. Sure. I like yeah. that you've got a black, black mic with a red stripe, head. so it looks a bit like a black belt. Yeah, <laughs> you wear everything. Belt. Everything's intentional. <laughs> <laughs> that is, That's it. Oh, that, funny you should say that. That is brilliant. That is brilliant. Jack yeah. is clearly making it's the most. Sitting there the whole time. Belt. He's got a purple belt Tyler on his the waist. So if you uh, if you see this guy you know, walking around uh, with, uh, so with a baseball cap, a big beard, and a purple belt tied on his waist, don't take the piss because he's going to choke you out. But he's a great personal trainer. Ask for some help. Not yet. Cool. Yeah, I know. In about, in about right. two Let me to just uh, hit, hit, hit right stop. And uh, guys, thank you for don't, listening. Don't and we'll, we'll speak soon. <laughs>